Good morning, Grace. It's great to uh, have the opportunity to introduce our guest speaker this morning. But before I do that, I again want to just thank all of you for giving Meg and I the opportunity to uh, get away, to get refreshed, to get ready for the fall ministry season. Uh, this time away is always uh, good for our souls and just a good time to uh, spend time with family and time with God. Uh, Fit Great Prince has been a part of the Grace family for the last couple of years. Him and his wife, Lakeisha, and his four children uh, have been a wonderful addition to Grace. Meg and I had the opportunity to spend about nine months walking through a discipleship process uh, with them just before COVID uh, hit. And we just got to see what wonderful people they are, good parents, good leaders. And I am excited to hear what Fit Great has to say to us this morning. Pickery also serves as the executive director of Central Detroit Christian, an organization that has been serving children and families in Detroit for several decades now. So uh, would you welcome to the stage uh, my friend, Pickery Prince. Amen. Oh, wait, let's see. We had to swap mics uh, between services. So I think this is our official mic check. Uh, but there we go. Okay, can you hear me okay? Great, great, great. I am so excited to be here today uh, in the house of the Lord with actually uh, my, all five of my children, officially my clan and village uh, of children. Uh, so uh, since we've been here at Grace, our oldest has actually been away at college and actually in the midst of a pandemic, he graduated from the University of Michigan and uh, he... Uh, is, is started his life living in Ypsilanti, and he's an editor for PBS. I'm ultra proud of him, and I'm so glad that he's in the house today. Uh, so my son Chris is here, so I'm really excited about that. Um, but I also am excited because, you know, uh, when we go through the Psalms, um, you see so many of them as being very personal, uh, very personal Psalms, and and, and uh, when Doug called me and asked me what I teach uh, this one, I had a little bit of an uh, uh, inkling. It was because he knows my affinity for worship and praising the Lord. Uh, and so this one is so full of that, the singing to God, uh, praising the Lord. And, and you know, and, and as I thought about it, it was just like all these different songs started to come to me and, you know, songs that, that resonate with the goodness of God and how faithful he's been for, for years. And, you know, one song that I, I had to bring out today uh, is a song that goes like this. Down through the years, God's been good to me. Oh, down through the years, God's been good to me. You know, sorry, y'all was ready to go, weren't you? But, you know, it's not just a song like that. You know, maybe it's even more of a, a newer song, uh, a song that just talks about how miraculous God is and, you know, that he opened up so many doors and songs like, you made a way. I don't know how, but you did it. You made a way. Those songs get deep within your spirit and, and they remind you of moments. That song is stuck within me because I was renovating my house and I was in uh, the basement and we were tearing down a wall. And at the moment, I'm hammering on a wall. There's a lyric in the song that says, you move mountains, 
and you cause walls to fall, and I'm actually causing a wall to fall in the house that I'm trying to renovate for my family to move into, and it's like, God, you're doing a great work. It sticks in my head every time, or even like today. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You know, those songs, they build you up, and they stick inside of you for when you're lost. When you feel that you're running things in your own life, and then you remember that from him are all things, and to him are all things. He deserves the glory. These songs, they resonate within us. Newer songs, like songs that honestly I feel like I can't even get away from, nor do I want to. You know, it's like, Jaira, you are enough. I keep seeking after other things. Jaira, you are enough. For I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. I can sing it with conviction because I recognize that, as Paul said, I learned how to abound and I learned how to be abased. I learned how to live with almost nothing. And I recognize that God, if I have him, then I have enough. These songs, they're penned in an overflow of emotion. They're, they're, they're written by people who are going through things and they remember a moment or they just can't let that moment sit within, inside of them. I remember being at a music school and there was a sticker and it said, music are what emotions sound like. And so today, I want to talk to you about the gratitude and, the God, and God's faithfulness to us. And so, as is our, our custom, I want you to stand with me as we read through communally uh, Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. His miracles and the judgments he uttered, O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statue, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion 
for an inheritance. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham, his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing, and he gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So praise the Lord, Grace. Yes. Oh, praise the Lord, Grace. There's a richness in this psalm, and, and the first few verses of this psalm uh, are a song of thanks that um, was considered to be David. So, so in, in Chronicles, First um, Chronicles chapter 16, David, the king of Israel, is in the midst of bringing the Ark of the Covenant up into Jerusalem. And this is his second attempt at bringing it up from Jerusalem. The first attempt, he did it out of his own strength. The first attempt, he was just trying to do this good thing. And so he doesn't do it in the right way and doesn't treat the ark the way it should be treated. And in the end, what ends up happening is a man named Uzzah dies because the ark is being carried by oxen on a cart instead of on the shoulders of men. And the oxen stumble, and this man reaches out to stabilize the ark, and the moment he touches the ark, he dies. This was not God's way. David had to go, and he had to kind of reformulate, well, how do I do this? How do I accomplish this thing of bringing the ark up to Jerusalem? And so at that time, he leaves the ark in uh, another man's house, which I don't know how you would feel if the Ark of the Covenant was inside of your house, uh, but I would have some concerns about that. Uh, but he left the Ark there with this man. And then David comes back to bring uh, the Ark up to Jerusalem, and this time he does it the right way. Uh, and in the midst of him doing it the right way, what he does is he charges all of Israel. And that's where this first portion of Psalm 105 comes from in, in 1 Chronicles. It's echoed there, these, these first few verses. And he's extolling the people. He's trying to get them to understand the magnitude uh, of a moment like this. Because the magnitude of a moment like this is it can be lost on the generation that doesn't understand where we began. And so what David is fulfilling is an almost thousand-year prophecy or almost thousand-year promise that God gave to Abraham, that he would give him a people that would be so numerous that they would spread throughout, that they would have their own land, that they would be able to be in a place of provision overflowing with milk and honey. This is the promise that God gave to Abram, and Abram launched out on that in the faith and trusting the Lord, and David and the children of Israel are walking in it almost a thousand years later. And David is saying, you don't get it, folks. You're missing it. And so he starts to give them these charges that he, that he, that he wants them to do. He says, open your mouth. This is, he starts to tell them how to open their mouth. He says, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make his deeds known among all the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful works. This is huge, folks. Now, a, a friend of mine asked me the other day, um, he was getting uh, season tickets to the Lions, but he was debating between the Lions and the Pistons, and he asked me, he said, you know, how do you feel about the Lions? And I told him, I said, 
Well, I have a love, 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 hate relationship with the Lions. I said right now I haven't been able to watch many games. I haven't been able to, you know, um, just kind of stay committed as a fan. I said, but if the Lions make it to the Super Bowl, I will mortgage my house and do whatever I have to do to get to the Super Bowl and just lose my mind for the Lions. Because I understand how big that is. I mean, all of Detroit, all of southeastern Michigan should just leave and go wherever that is and just shut the whole place down. I mean, we deserve that, don't we? If the Lions make it to the suit. And so, Lions, if you guys are watching online, hey, this is what we want. We, we, we really are behind you guys. But this is what David is saying. It's like, look at this. God is faithful in a thousand years later. So don't keep it quiet. Scream from the rooftops. Paint your faces. Put on, you know, blue shoulder pads and talk about God as our guardian. Our talk about him, folks. But he says, immerse yourself in the wonder of his doing. Glory in his name. Glory in his, to glory in God's name means to, to, to consider and to talk about his works above all else. That there is nothing more important than the works that he is doing. So we glory in his name. And then he says, you guys are quiet because you must not know him. So we need to study him, his power and his being. He says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his, his presence. If you do these things, he says, and not only this, he wants us to pass it on from generation to generation so that we don't come to a moment like this again. Remember his wonderful works. Remember his miracles. Remember his judgments. The Ark of the Covenant is passing by, and he's, he's, he's saying these things. Moses was the one who, who put this thing together. And he's saying this is God's promise. And somehow you've forgotten it. Somehow in the midst of all of our daily lives, we forgot how good God has been to us. But these songs that David is writing, these psalms, what ends up happening is they get into, our, into the children of Israel's spirit. They become even some of the songs that you and I worship to today. So songs carry the story. Songs carry the emotion. Songs carry the moment into the next generation. And what we see even now, we do the same thing. So I think back as we come to the 20th anniversary of the attacks on September 11th, that I remember shortly thereafter, there were songs by artists who were just pinning their emotions. Songs by Stephen Curtis Chapman and Toby Keith and Talib Kweli. People were like putting it out there like, I got feelings right now about what happened. And, and I can't just, this was a magnanimous moment. It's a little bit before my time, but I still recognize that even in the assassination of John F. Kennedy, people were so in disbelief that artists began to write down, this is how we feel. You know, Bob Dylan writes a song, Murder Most Foul, and, and you listen to that song even today, and it'll take you right back to how the country felt in losing a president. These are watershed moments. And as you tell this story, all of the experience 
that comes along with that is bound up in these songs of worship. And we think of these special historical moments as something different than the daily occurrences of God's goodness. So, and we need to be reminded of all the things that God has done. It's not just in the big miracles that God does. When God shows up in a hospital room and delivers a child that for the last few months has been said, the child will never survive. The doctor says the child won't make it through the night. And then the doctor says, I wasn't expecting the child to make it through the night, but now the child is is here and the child is thriving and the child is going to grow, but the child is going to have complications. And here we are, almost seven years later, about 500 feet from the hospital where my wife and I heard those stories, about to celebrate our little girl's seventh birthday, who has no developmental issues, who has, but this is the, she, she is that, that memorial stone for me. When I look at her, I see the goodness of God. And when I talk to her, I remind her of the miracle that she is. Just so you can completely understand it, she spent two months with no amniotic fluid. How does that happen? It's the miracle of God. And I trust him because of those things. And I won't forget him because of those things. But as I read through this psalm over and over again, it reminded me of something that I had heard previously in Scripture and in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says it like this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." Moses pins this Deuteronomy. He's giving them this history. He's giving them this law the second time to a group of people who are generations away from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are the ones who experienced the promise of God. They are the ones who were walking in faith because they didn't see it. They were still nomadic. They didn't have Canaan. They weren't able to possess the land. But this is still the promise that God had given them. And so this generation that is walking into the promised land, this is the generation that will see the promise. And Moses tells them that they need to remember the blessing they are experiencing is not because of their hard work or their good deeds, but it's because of God's faithfulness. Now think about it like this. Moses is reminding the people 
And the psalmist is recounting for the people of Israel as the Ark of the Covenant is going uh, up to Jerusalem. Now, these people are even further away from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's reminding them along the way of God's faithfulness. And there's so many times where I recognize that I walk out and think that I got to where I am or I'm doing the things that I'm doing or I'm living the way that I'm living because of my own skill and intellect. But I forget that in the moments that I'm walking in now, there were those who came before me. It was the prayer of my mother to bring me to a place like this. And if I read this carefully, what I recognize is that there's even a possibility that I'm still walking in the blessing of Abraham. Because God said that he would remember him up to a thousand generations. We are walking in someone else's promise. God being faithful year after year after year to his people. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Galatians 6. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And in verse 17 it says, for now on, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And he says that there is nothing for me to boast in but the Lord because all of these earthly things, they're outshined by the work on the cross. When you think about your degrees hanging on the wall, when you think about uh, your bank account, when you think about your businesses, when you think about all the things that you have amassed over the years, which of them is greater than the work on the cross? And you as a believer have set these things out. We, let me back that up, we as believers, have set these things up in our lives to be able to create the conversation. Oh, so you went to University of Michigan. Oh, so you went to Wayne State. Oh, so you built this. Oh, you did that. And then we talk about those things. We jump into conversation. They're conversation pieces. If you experience interior decorating, you talk about, well, you guys remember coffee table books? You, know, you put out a book out there, why? Because when people come over, you want them to, oh, you're into astronomy. Oh, okay, you know, how did you feel about the, uh, the shower, you know, the meteor shower the other day? And it starts the conversation. But there's nothing for us to boast in that is greater than the work on the cross. And so how do we become like Paul? How do we start to sing like the psalmist? How do we do what Moses says and take care lest we forget we have to intentionally make the accomplishments of God talking points in our daily life. Putting those things around us and into our lives that would make other people question us. Even in, in, in uh, the book of 1 Peter, he says, always be prepared to give a defense for those who ask for the hope that is within you. Like there should be something that is causing somebody to ask you, why do you have hope? How did this happen? Create the conversation so that God can be glorified in that. You know, one of the, the, the early memories that I have of my mother-in-law before we actually, my wife and I got married, uh, we were um, at her house and, and love you, Ma. Uh, she was having an intense conversation with someone on the phone. 
And she hung up the phone in the midst of the intensity. And she said this thing that I've heard her say a million and a half times, but in that moment, it really had a different effect because as she hangs up the phone in the intensity, the phone immediately rings again and she answers the phone, praise the Lord. And every day that I've known her, in every conversation that she's had on the phone, it opens with, praise the Lord. And I know that she does this because of all that God has done in her life. And if somebody says, hey, Stephanie, why do you answer the phone? Praise the Lord. She says, well, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about how he saved me. Let me tell you about how he set my path in place. Let me tell you about how he kept me. That's what I know of her. I think about the first conversation I had with Pastor Doug when I saw his tattoo, and I was like, hey, there's a pastor that has a tattoo. Not used to that one. And so I'm asking him about his tattoo, and he begins to tell me what it means and why it was impactful to him and why he just felt like, I don't have a lot of stuff, you know, tattooed on me, but I felt like this was something that needed to be there. And it begins to create conversation. It brings God in the midst of the moment and we need to be doing these things. My wife and I, when we were, as I mentioned before, renovating the house, my wife was praying and she said, I believe God wants this house to be an embassy for the Lord. And I was like, okay, let's talk about that. An embassy? What, is, what does that mean? Let's, let's unpack that. And she said, well, I want the house to be a place, you know, she said, I think the Lord is calling this house to be a place where people can come and find rest that it would be a sanctuary for people, that it would be a place where they could find the presence of the Lord and blessing. And I was like, okay, okay, but that just means that people just get to come to our house. And she's like, yeah. And so I want to make sure that we can, we can stock the pantry just in case somebody comes over and they're like, oh, you know, we don't have much food. Uh, and, and she can go into the pantry and grab food and pack it up and be able to bless people in it. And it's like, so we're giving food away. Okay. Okay, uh, and, and, and it's, it's challenging me in my faith, it's challenging me, you know, in, in, in my practical living, but it also says something that if people are coming to the house, they would have to have a reason to know that they can come to this house. And so we talked about what could we do to, to make it an open door. And so before we even moved into the house, we found this cross, I, I feel like someone gave it to us at some point, and you know, we didn't really have a place for it, but it was a nice blue cross that actually ended up looking, it was the exact same color as the house. Um, and so we put it on the front door of the, or just outside the front door of the house to say, this is his house. And I think it reminds me more than anyone else that this is his house. But Moses said, that we should teach these things diligently to our children. Talk of them at home. Talk about God when you walk by the way. Before you go to sleep, remember God. When you wake up, remember God. Make bracelets and jewelry to remind you of his goodness. Post signs in your house and on the gates on the way of your house. The psalmist reiterates these same thoughts, and he's evoking praise to God by talking about God's faithfulness. He tells them, praise the Lord, and then he goes through this litany of, you remember when God was faithful to Abraham? And do you remember when God was faithful to Jacob? And do you remember when there was a Pharaoh that was out there trying to kill our people, and God was showing himself strong in the midst of that? 
Do you remember that he rained frogs from heaven to terrorize them? Do you remember that God turned the Nile into blood? Do you remember these things? This is the God that gave us all of this. Because they forgot. So then I'm going to ask you this. Do you remember the faithfulness of God to you? Do you remember all the times that God turned your mess into good? Or do you push all of those things to the back and show the world the good images and forget about your brokenness? Because his word says that in our brokenness and our weakness, he is shown strong. If we push those things behind us, no one will ever ask us about the goodness of God. They'll ask us questions, well, how did you become this? Well, how did you make so much money? I can't tell you how much of, of, of Instagram is filled with, well, if you do this, just like Jeff Bezos, you'll be a billionaire too. And it's always wake up at 5 a.m., read nine books a day, only keep the best five people around you. So why did Moses specifically say to teach these things to our children diligently every day? It's because we, we forget how special God's faithfulness is because of how frequently it actually occurs. God's faithfulness is in our heartbeat. God's faithfulness is in every breath. None of this is owed to us. This man Uzzah was doing what he thought to be a noble thing and he reached out and his life was over. How many of us pursue a noble thing and what ends up happening is God says, I know you tried, but I can make something with that. Even our wrong, God can make good come from it. It's a tough thing, but it's not too hard for our God. So God's faithfulness is not just shown in the frequency of his faithfulness, but it's shown in the fidelity of his faithfulness. God's faithfulness is from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. And I don't know if we completely comprehend that because we get so immersed in the 35 or 40 years of our life that we're kind of on top. That we forget all of those who came before us that labored and called upon the name of the Lord to bring us to that place. I can't forget those who came before me who led me to the Lord. How would I know God unless somebody reached out? My testimony comes from a 16-year-old girl who didn't know me. She didn't know me, but she walked across the room and said, can I pray for you? And as she prayed for me, she began to speak on behalf of the Lord things that no one else could have possibly known at 16 years old, but that's a part of my testimony. I didn't go, to, go off to some seminary and there I'm going to find God in the text and I'm going to, you know, spend time in a monastery and just let the Spirit of the Lord wash over me. I'm, I'm not doing those. I didn't do those things. God came and got me. How can, how did I, I have no part in that. So the psalmist, as he is reminding the Israelites to remember God, 
he closes the passage by remarking on the promise that he made to Abraham. God will not forget his promise to you. It may look dark. It may look bleak. It may look like things are falling apart, but God will not forget the promise that he made to you. He said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He said that he has a calling and a purpose for you. He said that there is salvation that is already done and that there is a salvation to come that we would walk in heaven with him, that we would be in the presence of the Most High God, that we would experience love beyond the measure of love that we know now. These are the promises of God that he is waiting to give you. When, when he told Abram that he would give his children a special land of their own, flowing with milk and honey, he didn't forget about it. Even when famine hit the region, God kept his people safe through Joseph who had gone through so much but ascended to be number two in all of Egypt and was able to save not only his people, but all of the people of the region. Even when Pharaoh threatened to kill the children of Israel, God kept his promise and he kept his people and they left slavery in Egypt with wealth and on their way to the promised land. Even when they were hungry in the desert, God made bread fall from the sky. It may not always be a miracle of bread falling from the sky. It may be a phone call that says, I have a job for you. And God's saying, I'm faithful. But do we count those things as, man, God was so good to me today. I ate. I had food in my refrigerator. I have good friends who love me. I feel loved in my home. I know that I can count on God's people. I have a great church home. I have a pastor who prays for me and loves me. I have these things. Oh, God, you are so faithful to me. In all of these moments where the people are broken and they're at death's door, God showed up because he promised to be faithful. He promised it to Abraham. Even in Jesus' death on the cross, this horrible situation, this embarrassing death, where Jesus is crucified, open before the world, and a sign is hung that this is the king of the Jews. How embarrassing for God this must be. But that's not the way he's looking at it. He's saying even in this gruesome death, even in this trouble, even in the dark skies, even in the storm that's coming, even as the temple is being ripped in two, I am moving and I am showing myself faithful to these people. There will be struggle. But what the psalmist says is there will also be victory. There will be joy. And so I ask you again, how has God showed you his faithfulness? Because if you think about it, and maybe if you write it down, if you meditate on his faithfulness, you might begin to sing of his goodness. No matter where you are today, I pray that you see God moving in your life in the midst of all of your circumstances, that you see him weaving this thing together. And I pray that you see his faithfulness. Because I know that if you see his faithfulness, you will praise the Lord. So praise the Lord, Grace. Because he is good. And because he is faithful. Amen? Amen. Amen. And one of the things... Um, 
that I love about Grace is that there's a prayer team that comes together before service specifically to pray for you, to pray for us. And as they're praying, they listen for the Lord. They listen for the Lord to speak because we know that God is intimate with us. He's imminent. He wants to be a part of our consistent daily life. And so they listen for it. And one of the things that they mentioned on today is um, that there's someone who wants to enter into God's joy. I don't know if that's salvation. I don't know if that's just you've been, in dep- you've been uh, experiencing depression. You've been feeling without joy. Um, well, here's an invitation to come and pray that you would receive the joy of the Lord. Uh, someone else, God is removing shackles in your life. Um, that there are some who are looking for salvation. Uh, this is a moment. Give your life to the Lord. It's as simple as that. Open up your mouth. Profess with your mouth that he is Lord, that Jesus died for your sins. Believe it in your heart and you will be saved. As simple as that. You don't have to write an essay. You don't have to pay dues. It's as simple as that. And that there are some, and this is the second time this is, uh, in the first service this was mentioned as well, there's brokenness in marriages. Uh, There's some whose marriages are on the rocks and and, and you want to be prayed for. The prayer team will be up here very shortly. If you're online, um, you can follow the uh, instructions that are on the slide there uh, and get into a Zoom prayer room or uh, call in, uh, and we will make sure someone is praying with you. Uh, That there's healing for marriages, um, and there are some (laughs) you'll be feasting on the goodness of God. That's what they, I, I think I might, you know, pray about that one. I would love to be feasting on the goodness of God. Uh, he's awesome, is he not? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray and I'm going to close this out. And then uh, my prayer is that you have an awesome day um, in, in the presence of the Lord. So, Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to David, to Jesus, your faithfulness to Paul, your faithfulness to us. God, we thank you that down through the years you have been good to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have made a way when we thought there wasn't a way. We thank you, Lord, that you sit on your throne still and you are worthy of it all. And so, God, we pray that as we leave this place today, that your word resonates in our hearts and that we are able to honor you in our conversations, in our homes, and in our families. Bless us in this day in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, Grace. so, so kind to me.